Blue Wire. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of The Rebuild. I'm Henry Ettinger, joined alongside by Jordan Climac for this pre-Thanksgiving preview of Browns versus Ravens and all that and more to come. But Jordan, how are you doing on the eve of Thanksgiving? Where does, what's, your, what's your favorite Thanksgiving food that you're going to be consuming tomorrow? Ooh, so... I'm a big stuffing guy. I like stuffing. Um, not the biggest turkey guy. I mean, I'll eat turkey, you know, and always make good with putting some gravy on there. But uh, every year my grandma makes these it's stuffed cabbage. And uh, I mean, it's absolutely incredible. I'm already looking forward to it. Like, I wish it was tomorrow already today, just so I could dive into some of this Thanksgiving food, uh, Henry. But no, I'm a huge Thanksgiving guy. Other than Christmas, probably my second favorite holiday. I can't get enough of the food of eating leftovers for like a week straight so yeah i'm ready to go man let's go i love everything about thanksgiving my family hosts a big big group every year where i think we're going to be up to 30 people this year uh all my mom's side of the family uh one turkey's already been been pre-prepared because we have to make two at this point so my dad just pulled it out of the oven ahead of this podcast so uh yeah for me i think you know, mashed potatoes uh, and stuffing are right up there. And then kind of the specialty thing that we have are these sweet rolls with, with little pecans on top that are Ooh, that are okay. very much uh, uh, kind of a, a, a special family treat that only comes out during Thanksgiving and they are killer. So that's what I'll be looking forward to. I'll be sitting on the couch watching football with my cousins for probably more hours uh, than everybody else would like. But that's because it's a great day to just sit back, relax and enjoy. So yeah, I love Thanksgiving pretty much right up there with any other holiday too, Jordan, but the Browns do not play uh, on Thanksgiving. Thankfully it'll be a stress-free Thanksgiving. They do play however on Sunday night in, and speaking of stress, there was a little bit of, of uh, tense Mm. Uh, conversation this week with the Browns and it started I think with Baker Mayfield's post-game comments uh, uh you know after the fans booed the Browns at points during the second half of their poor performance against the Lions Mayfield in the post-game press conference essentially said well real quick uh real quick actually was he refused to speak to the media after the game so he dodged his post-game press conference and actually this was Monday where he came out and finally met with the media and said and and had all the stuff to say about the fans. But yeah, he was, I mean, he was taking it for missing his media session, Henry, because I don't know if you noticed, but right when the game ended, he took off his helmet and just walked straight to the locker room, which is very uncharacteristic of him. But you could tell he was frustrated. I don't know what it was, if it was the fans or what it was, but uh yeah, he uh refused to meet with the media after the game Sunday and then had some brash things to say on Monday. Yeah, he, he basically said, you know, with, with the fans that that the ones that were booing were probably the ones that don't quiet down when they're on offense and and cause a little bit of tension there. Jordan, do you sense that the fan base might be turning a little bit on Baker Mayfield or do you not really get that that sentiment from, you know, the calls you take at ESPN Cleveland? I feel like you you probably have the best pulse of yeah. the two of us on the actual fan base. It's so to me, I, Henry, I just say I don't think it's necessarily that the fan base is turning on him. I just think it's the people that haven't been sold on him from day one are being loud and vocal now because it seems like they're right. Uh, if that makes sense. I, I think that's kind of where it is because 
you know, I'm, I've had people tweet at me over the past couple of days that they are unfollowing me because I've been critical of Baker Mayfield on Twitter, <laughs> which, which was an interesting thing to get in, in your mentions. But uh, yeah, no, I think it's more of just the people that weren't really sold on him being the guy, the people that didn't like him, don't like the commercials. I think those people are being a lot more vocal than they have right now in the past, Henry. But the Baker Mayfield faithful, the uh, faithful Baker Mayfield mafia, as we call it, the ESPN Cleveland is still out and strong and in full force. So I, I think it's a mix of the two, but like I said, the haters have just been more loud now. And, and with a good reason, I mean, can you blame them? They, they sound, they, like I said, it seems like they're right right now. So they're taking this opportunity to be staunch and, and loud about it. Well, yeah, that was going to be my, my next question to you is, do you think they were, they were justified in, in booing during that second half? Look, I, I don't know if I can look, it's one of those things where I would like to say that they aren't the bigger issue with that situation is to me, I just feel like Baker takes everything so personal. Um, like you can't take everything so personal, man. Just go out there and play. You don't always need to listen to the outside noise. And I feel like, and it's a fine line for him, Henry, because that's what fuels him. That's what makes him good when all the noise is going against him. And then all of a sudden he thrives. So it's tough to be like, no, don't listen to that. Or no, don't, don't act like your back's against the wall or whatever, because that's when he, he plays his best. But I mean, just taking everything so personal, I, I don't understand it. Like, I feel like the fans, just as much as anything, just as much as they were booing Baker, Henry, I just think they were booing a lousy offense. It was a lousy, terrible offensive product that the Browns put out on the field on Sunday. And I think the fans were frustrated with that because they understand the talent that's on this team. And they understand that this team is, is, you know, is under like underperforming to an extent that I don't think anyone saw coming into this year. So it's a lot of the frustration from the fans coming out in the booze, and then a lot of the frustration from the players coming out in the press conferences, kind of just the perfect, you know, what storm going on right now. Yeah. And I, I, it's funny with Baker. I was actually having this conversation in relation to Aaron Rodgers this week with somebody, but I think it's true with Baker as well, where when you have that kind of chip on your shoulder mentality, when you're winning, it's like, oh, look at him. You know, he, he's the, the competitive fire. That's what, you know, separates him from everybody else. And then when you're losing, it's one of those, oh, well, he listens too much to the outside noise. It's like you just kind of set yourself up, you know, to, to basically uh, get kind of one of those two reactions. If you're going to actually, you know, invoke uh, the outside noise in your press conferences and things like that. You know, most quarterbacks are out there. Oh, you know, we, we don't pay attention or whatever. They just kind of say the parting line and, and that way, either way, that's not the focus. But when you get a personality like an Aaron Rodgers or a Baker Mayfield, you ultimately are, are just kind of setting yourself up for that. Yeah. And look, let's call it for what it is for lack of a better word. Like you said, when, when the, you're not winning and you're this guy that carries himself with the chip on his shoulder, like it's him against the world. When you're not winning, all of a sudden those press conferences and every time you speak to the media, you come off as a jerk. I mean, it's called for what it is. That's kind of what it is. It's very similar. And I go back to Henry, how many times we talked about in the offseason last year leading into this year about the team taking on the personality of its head coach in a press conference. It was a lot of, uh, you know, coach speak every time we'd hear from Stefanski or one of the coaches. Every time we heard from one of the players, a lot of players speak, just saying the right things and, you know, not creating headlines in your post-game or, or media availability sessions. And that just isn't the case anymore with this team. You heard from Jarvis at his freaking turkey drive talking about how he wasn't getting the ball. Miles Garrett's in post-game press conferences calling out the coaching staff saying they're not making adjustments. Malik Jackson's coming out in the media basically calling out Miles Garrett. 
and you have Baker Mayfield basically calling out the fans. I mean, it's a lot different than post the you know the press conferences that we were used to last year, where everything seems so calculated and under control. That's just not the case with this team anymore. And the one thing I will say about Baker and the fans too, it's like that is some you're playing with fire right there. Anytime you want to call out a fan base, or you know, I don't know necessarily if he was calling out a fan base or what he was doing, but anytime you get the fans involved, the word "fan" comes out of your mouth and in, in a media availability. I mean. You're playing with fire there, Henry, because just as quick as they love you, they can turn on you in a second. And and we know that this fan base can be pretty wild when it comes to that. So dangerous territory he's walking on, and he's going to have to back it up with his play. And, and it's one of those things where I don't know if he can. So I don't know where this is going to go from here, Henry. It is dangerous. And the, the Browns fan base does feel, you know, divided right now more than ever. So I know Baker does have his supporters, but, and I saw a lot of people saying like, oh, how dare the fans like boo Baker Mayfield, like they were one in 31, you know, without him. And Are we ever going to stop with that, by the way? So thank you. Cause that's where I was going next <laughs> yeah. to this. And, and I just, I, I have a, look, I have never, I've never booed a, a Cleveland sports team before. I, I've been in all my years going to Cavs games, Browns games, Indians, now Guardians games, never once booed my own team. But fans have a right to boo. And frankly, based on the performance, like you said, I think we're justified in that. And and here's the thing, Jordan, is like I, I was going back and forth with some people on Twitter about this because they act like just because the Browns went one and 31 before Baker Mayfield means like we just have to accept like mediocrity like i know yeah and that's not that is not the goal of playing sports like the goal is to win a championship and right now based on the performance they've gotten from baker mayfield the browns cannot do that because of his performance on the field so yes they're booing him because they are hoping for better like just because we were one in 31 before baker mayfield doesn't mean if they move on for baker mayfield that would be the case again. It could go the opposite direction. You know, it could go the way that we've seen with so many of these other teams that have moved on from quarterbacks and actually gotten better too. Now I'm not saying it's time to move off of Baker Mayfield or anything like that. I would not do that yet, but everybody who acts like Baker Mayfield is the only answer because he's, you know, he was the one that pulled us out of the dumps. I I just don't see it that way. Like you're playing in a sport that is the one sport out of the three in Cleveland that is set up for parity. Just because the Browns have been bad before does not mean it needs to stay that way. There's no salary, you know, issues that they have to fight against or inequality, anything like that. It's not like the NBA where one player makes all the difference in the world. You know, you can get a competent quarterback and compete for a Super Bowl in the NFL. And so that's what I want as a fan. I want the team to win and compete for a Super Bowl. And I'm not saying that can't happen with Baker Mayfield, but if he's not living up to that, yeah, I'm, I'm okay with booing or, or, or suggesting they move on in another direction. And I don't get why everybody else is so against that idea. And, and the other thing I don't get is like, do people not realize that it's totally possible for like Baker to be the guy to kind of like restore your franchise to relevancy and also be the same guy that can like hold you back from getting to exactly where you want to go. Like that's totally possible. And I don't think people understand that. And we say with coaches to- all the time, like, yeah, oh, he, he's exactly. a guy. He's a he's a developmental coach, but like he's not, you know, the playoff type of you know type of guy. Like, can, I don't see why that can't be true for quarterbacks as well. That's a great point. Yeah, and and the other thing is too with the one in thirty one stuff, Henry. I mean, it's not only gotten to the point where you can't criticize the quarterback because you know 
everyone points to, oh, what about the jersey with the like 20 names on? Like, okay, whatever. I, I just don't understand. Like, so our expectations as a fan base are so low just because of, of where we were. And then you get good all of a sudden. And then just, you got to just like, Henry, I, I, apparently I wasn't allowed to be critical of the Browns uh, disappointing performance over the lions because, you know, we were one in 31 at one point. Like I just like, how, how long, like, what is the, how long is the leash that we still have to keep reverting back to? Well, you know, we were one in 31. Well, you know, we did have like 15 head coaches or, you know, we did have 30 starting quarterbacks or whatever, like, stop. We're good. We're in a different era right now of Browns football than we were back then. Why can't we evaluate this as it is and leave the past in the past? I, I don't get it. It's, it's become very frustrating in what we do. It has. It, it has. I just, yeah, it, it does feel like Browns fans are, are still, and I get it. Like it, it was a terrible time. Like it was, it was a lot of pain and suffering, but at some point you, you just, you have to put that in, in the rear view mirror. But Jordan, I want to I want to go to something that you you actually touched on earlier about how this team has had a little bit more drama that Baker you know didn't really celebrate with his teammates, which Kevin Stefanski had to address. There's been more drama. You mentioned the Jarvis Landry thing. You had Baker Mayfield's wife posting about, you know, uh, reposting something that yeah. suggested that the team around Baker Mayfield not, might not be showing the same toughness that he did. And, and all of that to me leads to the question of. Forget the fans for a second. Are you worried about the team itself in, in terms of are they a split locker room potentially right now with what's been happening these last couple of weeks? You know, this is um, it's kind of a hard question to answer, uh, Henry, because, in, you know, in years past, uh, we'd be allowed in the locker room. You'd be, you know, the team was a lot more accessible, obviously, you know, starting last year with COVID protocols in place. Then, of course, all of the COVID stuff tightening up in Bria over the past couple of weeks. Just not really that opportunity to be around the team or inside the locker room and get that vibe that you would be able to get in previous years. But with that being said, I can't help but go back to the OBJ thing, right? I, I, I just, I truly think that that caught a lot of people on this team you know, the Jarvis Landry's, the John Johnson's, the young wide receivers that looked up to Odell. Um, like, I feel like it caught a lot, of, a lot of people off guard. And it was never really explained to them as to what happened, right? Like, Kevin Stefanski had the conversation of, look, we got to prepare for life without Odell. Um, like, he's probably not going to be a member of this team going forward. And that was kind of the extent of the conversation amongst, the, you know, the Browns organization and the team itself. I think a lot of players on the team were left confused because – like I said, it seems like Odell did a lot of the trade requests and the wanting to get out of here. It's like, like that was behind the scenes. And he was kind of a different guy when he was in the locker room. He was still that mentor to the young guys. So they had, uh, I think a lot of these players had trouble like understanding exactly what went wrong and why they let a guy who was, you know, being a good leader to them go. And I think ever since then, there's just been weird vibes going on inside this locker room. I, I you know, I can't necessarily sit here, Henry, and say, that it's, you know, Team Baker versus Team Odell or anything like that. But I can't help but think that right when that happened, I think that put a rift through this locker room that I don't think Kevin Stefanski has necessarily been able to figure out so far. I agree with you. We talked about it last week for a team that, that should have so many leaders on it, it. It doesn't feel like they're coming together. It just doesn't have that, that sense when you watch them on the field, the body language is all off. And I'm, look, I'm not the body language, you know, doctor type of guy. I'm usually, you know, a, more of a, an analytics focus, but I mean, it's, you can't ignore it when you're watching the team. You know, the, the fact that Baker Mayfield's not celebrating a victory with his teammates on the field after a game, that's weird. Like that is not normal. 
And, and you just so much of this team has been drama all, all of a sudden that, yeah, I think it goes back to the Odell situation and maybe predating that in some respects to when, you know, he was still in the locker room and I'm, you know, maybe there were issues there, you know, it, it's tough. As you said, we're not there. We're not behind the scenes, but the Odell situation moved so fast that it made me think that, that it had something had been percolating the last couple weeks, even before that, you know, was made public. So I have no idea. I certainly not reporting. That's pure speculation. Well, so but- go back to the Jay Glazer report. I think he was on um, Pat McAfee's show. Was it last week or the week before? Mm-hmm. And he basically said that in the off season, Odell came to the bronze and asked for a trade. And they basically, you know, Kevin Stefanski was the guy that came in and was like, no, 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 we don't want to trade you. Like, we still want you to be a part of this offense, whatever, whatever. He comes back, you know, the injury, he's not playing right away. Ask for another trade request. And it was the same thing. Kevin Stefanski, you know, no, we're not going to trade you, whatever. And then the day before the trade deadline, I guess, was like the third request, Henry. And then the video with Odell's dad came out the next day. And according to Jay Glazer, that was like the icing on the cake where Kevin Stefanski was like, all right, you know what? If this guy wants to go, let him go. So I don't know. I, that's the weird thing, right? Like, I, I think that's why the situation is so weird is because all that stuff went on behind the doors. And, you know, from all the people that I've talked to, the Jake Trotters, the Tony Grosses of the world, the people that are really close with the team, like Odell was always a good teammate around other players on the team. So I think he somehow did a good job of like separating him, not wanting to be here with the front office and the players in the locker room. And I just think it created for weird situations. And maybe it does date all the way back to the offseason. It just something, something has not been right. And it is just, it is never a good sign, Jordan, when we're talking about Oda Beckham Jr.'s dad, when we're talking about Baker Mayfield's wife, when family members are involved I know. In, I know. In, in public situations, that is never a good sign. It never goes well when that is the case. And, and that's not only, you know, true with obviously the Brown situation, but we've seen that around the league. In the NFL, we've seen that in other sports. When those people are talking, it's never good because, number one, it indicates that that obviously they're having conversations with, you know, the the guys that are not saying those things publicly, which is why I think that the OBJ situation was so inflammatory. But also, again, it goes back to that 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 team culture thing where it doesn't feel like, you know, that. that everybody's riding in one direction either where it doesn't feel like you just see those things on, on championship level teams. And, and right now, you know, uh, the Browns are not at that level. We'll see, you know, with this Ravens game on Sunday, if they, if they turn the season around, but, but right now I don't think that's, that's where they're headed. Yeah, no, it, it really doesn't. It seems like it's going to take a miracle. Like, I mean, there is a world right where the Browns figure this out. There's a world where Baker Mayfield, I think that's the more important thing right now. I think there's a world where Baker Mayfield figures it out. But we just have nothing to go off of. Everything has just been steadily on a decline this year. Like things started off fine and they've just steadily, steadily, steadily gotten worse, Henry. So it just, there's no other reason to believe that we're not going to keep going on that same trajectory of a downward path at this point. It's hard to see the path. That's for sure. Especially with the st- schedule, right? I mean, if the schedule was easier. That might be one thing. But we're going to talk about the Ravens game here in a second. And you have the Ravens again. And you have like the Raiders, the Packers, the Bengals. Like it's not an easy, like all the easy games that we're going to play this year are behind you. And you're only able to be six and five coming out of that. So we'll see. 
So let's talk about that Ravens game, Jordan. The Browns square off against the Ravens in Baltimore Sunday night. And if you are looking for optimism, if you're a Browns fan, I think we got some of that news today is that Kareem Hunt and Jack Conklin have been designated to return off of IR and are looking to, to come back on Sunday. So in regards to those two, what kind of impact do you expect that to make on the Browns' chances on Sunday? Well, it's huge from the running standpoint and just really having another dimension to your offense in terms of not having to rely on Nick Chubb to be Superman for you to get a win, right? I think you know, bringing uh, Jack Conklin back to this team is just as big as bringing Kareem Hunt back because I think that solidifies the right end of the Browns' offensive line. You're talking about Wyatt Teller and Jack Conklin. For those two guys together, that's the best right side blocking combination in the NFL. So that's huge in its own right. And look, I, I think, you know, I've been talking to Tony Grossi of ESPN Cleveland about this theory that, um, you know, he kind of had and I kind of adopted it as my own. Um, but I think that this whole Baker Mayfield situation goes back to, I think the Browns knew um, this week uh, against the Ravens was going to be the week that Kareem and Jack Conklin were both going to be able to come back from the IR and probably play in the game. So it was a lot of just like if Baker, if we're able to get Baker, however healthy or not he is, if we're able to get the team to, you know, that Ravens game where we can bring these guys back, then we'll see what can happen. Um, so it's really an interesting situation. And it's a theory that's been floating on around there about why Baker's been playing, um, you know, just get to that Ravens game where we can bring back our team and get a little bit more healthy in terms of the offense. Because let's call it for what it is. I think Jim Nance said it on a broadcast a couple of weeks ago, Henry. The one thing that we haven't been talking about with this Browns offense, we've been talking about the struggles, the lack of a passing game, Baker's struggles. The one thing we haven't talked about is Kareem Hunt's importance to this offense. Um, gives Baker that security blanket. He's such a great wide receiver out of the backfield. And the Browns, I haven't seen, I haven't seen a lot of that since, right? Um, him and Demetric Felton kind of went down at the same time. So we haven't really seen that passing threat out of the backfield that I think Kareem is going to bring that dimension back as well. And really just a certain level of toughness, right? I think this team has kind of been lacking someone that's just going to go down you and pop you in the mouth and like get up and talk trash. Like Kareem Hunt is that guy. So I think he's going to bring back a little bit of flair, some swagger to the locker room, but also how about this offense, Henry, and be able to give Nick Chubb a break. I think this offense is going to look a lot different on Sunday. Um, we're going to gonna be able to sustain drives longer because you're going to have that other element in Kareem Hunt. So this is huge getting back for, you know, the biggest game of the year, which we've said the uh, biggest game of the year for like six game, weeks in a row at this point. But this one against the Ravens, given your situation, without question is. You mentioned, you know, Hunt's impact in, in terms of his toughness and, and then also in terms of the receiving game. And I think it's, you know, it, it's been a few weeks, so it's time, to, you know, to remind fans that that we were having a conversation about Cream Hunt potentially being, you know, the more valuable of the two running backs early on in the season with the kind of impact that he made in some stats to back that up as far as he was averaging over three and a half yards after contact per rush attempt. You know, and then he ha he caught 20 out of his 23 targets out of the backfield. So supporting both, you know, that toughness element and that receiving element he provided. You know, he he's one of the league leaders in terms of missed tackles forced. He is one of the league leaders in terms of explosive runs. I think he has 12 out of like 70 runs or something like that. So you're talking about a guy who does add something to this offense. And that's why him and Chubb work so well as a pairing is 
although both are, you know, great backs, they both have, you know, subtle strengths over the other uh, that they can mix and match together. And, and then on Conklin, when you're talking about a complete offensive line with zero weaknesses, I am curious to see if the, the playbook gets a little bit more expansive this week. It may not because of Baker Mayfield's other injuries limiting, you know, some of his potential mobility outside of the pocket and how much Kevin Stefanski wants to expose him. But let's keep in mind here, the Browns haven't had a healthy tackle situation in a long, long time. Even when Jed Wills was back playing, he was really all year. Yeah. Because like you said, Jed Wills was banged up and Conklin was healthy. Then Conklin goes down and Jed's healthy now. So you're right. Yeah. And this offensive line has been dominant without it, but Blake Hans is not Jack Conklin. He's been a serviceable replacement, but we're talking about now, you know, uh, arguably what's been the best offensive line in the league anyway, getting back to full strength where it was the best offensive line in the league last year. So there is a world where the Browns can get their formula going here, where it's run the ball, it's dominate with the offensive line, and then Baker's not asked to do a whole lot outside of his comfort zone. Now, there are plenty of other challenges, and this Ravens defense is pretty solid on, at all three levels. But I do think, you know, as I try to talk myself into it, I was like, wait, this, th- these additions do matter. And I'll tell you what, they, you know, some of the people that I know are, are in betting circles were talking about that they see these as potentially significant additions for the Browns as well in this Ravens game based on the matchup ahead. Yeah, and like you said, it's going to be, I mean, sticking with that offense, I think that's the formula, right? And we talked about the importance of this team getting out to a lead. And we know with the Ravens, they pulled so many wins out of their ass this year that like no lead is really safe for that team. But the Browns have the formula to keep that lead safe. And that's just, you know, especially getting Kareem Hunt back, you got two workhorses that you can just feed in the second half. You get off to that lead. And like you said, too, I, I want to see some more. I thought Henry, I don't know if you noticed this last week, I thought there were some more bootlegs um, and nakeds last week than we had seen in recent weeks, which is so odd because Baker seemed more banged up last week than in recent weeks. So I don't know how that is, but yeah, like your point, I, I think that's the formula, right? You come out, you run the ball with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt on first down, get a little play action going as well off of that, get Baker rolling out of the pocket and, and we'll see what happens. But yeah, the other thing that comes down to the running game for the Browns and why Kareem Hunt is coming back is so crucial is if you can control the time of possession in this game, that's huge as well. Keep the ball out of Lamar Jackson's hands as much as you can, because I mean, he is that entire offense for the Ravens when it comes to running and passing. So if you're able to limit his touches on the ball, I think that's going to go uh, a long way in getting the done job done. But I just Stefanski, I just don't fall in love with the pass. I, I I've, I've seen it too often this year and I get it, man. Like I get it, right? Like that's how the NFL is set up. The NFL is set up the way it's officiated and, and all that is for the quarterback to have success. But this team has success when they run the ball and play good defense. And that's exactly what they need on Sunday to get the win over the Ravens. Yeah. I'll be looking for, for some of the running and then some of the, the throws early that aren't necessarily explosive plays, but can they get some of their, their guys out in space to make some, I, plays? I just, the one thing I just don't want to see anymore is, is empty spread sets on, on first down. <laughs> like I just can't, I just can't see it. Henry first down is so crucial for this team. When you don't have that vertical passing attack, like you have to gain yards beyond the amount of times this year, Henry, I, I feel like I, I'm at some point this year, I'm going to go back and look at it, but the amount of drives that I watched stall out this year, because they came out in the shotgun set on first down had incomplete pass. Then they tried to run it on second down. You got three yards and it became a third and long and, and you don't get it. Like that's happened to this team 
so many times this year. And I just, I can't, I can't watch it anymore. Well, they, they need to avoid that in this game because not only are the Browns one of the worst teams uh, on third and long this season, in fact, they, they are arguably the worst team, depending on which metric you look at in terms of third and long this year, but the Ravens, the strength of this defense relies on its pass rushers and it's blitzing. They blitz a ton on third down. So, you know, what's funny too, is like you talked about the Browns and, and how they're one of the worst teams in the NFL on third down offensively. So like a third and seven for this Browns team feels like it's like a third and 16, right? But they flip it over for the defense, a third and 14 against the Browns defense feels like it's like third and three. So it's really night and day on for you're talking about Browns offense versus Browns defense on third down. It is. And, and on the offensive side of things, they, you know, the, the Ravens have a lot of guys that, that you would, you know, would be worried about because, you know, the, you, you don't necessarily have the one player that, that you're thinking, okay, you know, we really got a game plan for this defensive end or, or this person. I mean, maybe Calais Campbell is that guy on the interior, but they've got a lot of different guys who come and come effectively. Patrick Queen is a guy that blitzes from the linebacker position often and is very successful at it. They've got Owe on the edge. They've got Justin Houston on the edge out, out there. They've got a deep roster of guys that can get after the quarterback, and they ha- that's really where this Ravens defense, which has been pretty average this year compared to its other you know, areas, that's its one big strength is it gets after the quarterback. And we know Baker Mayfield historically has not been all that great against the blitz. So to me, that's the key for this Browns offense is can they avoid third and long? Because I don't think they're going to have success there. And protecting Baker is going to be huge. I mean, that's going to be the, you know, the theme for every single game at this point. But like you said, they're very successful at blitzing. They're very successful at getting after the quarterback, Henry. And we know how banged up Baker is right now. So this is one of those games where maybe one shot puts him out of the game, Henry. And, and I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm frightened to see it because, like I said, last week was the opportunity to sit Baker. You didn't do it. Now you have no choice but to play him. And you're going to – I mean, I don't want to say you're necessarily feeding him to the Wolves, but he's taken some shots over the past couple of weeks, and he's definitely going to take some shots on Sunday. Physicality of a division rival game, especially against the Ravens, Browns, knowing that the division could be on the line in these next three weeks. So. It's going to be a challenge. I think, again, the, the key is to get the, you know, stay ahead of the chains to get the ball out early. You know, this Ravens secondary is not what it's been in years past. Now, Marlon Humphrey you know, is a, a renowned corner, certainly. But, you know, outside of him, they they have struggled at times to cover people. And in particular, they've given up some explosive plays. You know, Patrick Queen, as great as I mentioned, as he just is as a pass rusher, has struggled in coverage at times. And he's the linebacker that gets the most on-field action for this team. You've got guys like Chuck Clark, you know, that it's a well-known safety, but hasn't quite had his best year in coverage this year either. So it'll be interesting to see, can the Browns find any explosive downfield plays? Because other teams have been able to get those on the Ravens at times. Even the Bears last week were able to with Andy Dalton. So can the Browns find, you know, two to three, you know, big downfield plays against a Raven secondary that's been vulnerable this year. So I, I don't know if it'll come from wide receivers, Henry. I've kind of lost faith in us being able to really have get a wide receiver to have an explosive game, unless it's like one explosive play like they had against the Bengals, Donovan Peoples-Jones. But I think this is where Kareem Hunt coming back and we're talking about the explosive plays. I think that's like, Henry, have you, have the Browns ran a running back screen since 
Kareem Hunt went out because I, I can't really think of one off the top of my head. And I feel like that was a huge part of their offense at the beginning of the year. We saw Kareem, a lot of things he was able to do. I go back to was it that Vikings game on like a third and 13, got like a 35 yards on a screen. I, I think that he has the ability to give you that element to the passing game too, where like, you know, you can bait defensive line into over pursuing and then hit Kareem over the top uh, on a screen pass and, and see what he's able to do after that. So He's huge for that explosive game, uh, you know, not only from running, but potentially out of the backfield receiving as well. And I highlight him every week. It feels like these last, you know, four or five weeks. But David Njoku, I think, is going to be huge here again. I mean, he is the one Browns, you know, pass catcher that that causes matchup problems. And with his speed and athleticism, Hooper to some extent too. Uh, but Njoku is going to have that advantage here because, you know, Marlon Humphrey is not going to give up a, a lot to these Browns receivers is my, uh, is my guess. I mean, he is a, a an extremely talented corner going against a, a less talented wide receiver core. So who, I, you know, he's frankly going to take away one side of the field to a large degree on a lot of these plays. So I think the middle of the field is where the Browns are going to have to operate. And then, you know, hope that uh, they can keep the Ravens blitzing scheme off balance because of those screens, the tight end screen that, that's been so successful with them mixing, you know, Kareem Hunt back into the mix as well. Like you said, I do think it's going to be uh, one of those games that the screen game is once again, heavily, heavily featured. But, you know, overall, the, this Ravens defense is one where, you know, as I mentioned, the, the, the pass rush is probably the biggest strength you point to. But really what it's about is. There's not a, like a player you single out as having, you know, a, a massive weakness. Like I mentioned, Patrick Queen isn't as good in coverage as he is at blitzing. There's a few other guys that aren't having stellar seasons, but really it's opportunistic playmaking. You're not just going to find a guy to pick on. So the, the Browns are going to have to have some people step up. And that's my biggest concern is you look at, you know, the, the receivers and the tight ends and you're like, who's, who's going to win just like dominate their matchup. And I'm not sure it's anybody outside of the running backs. I agree, but I feel like you could flip it over to the the Ravens and, and we've talked about their offense versus our defense. Like, who is the guy you have to contain for them? I don't, you know, I'm, I'm not necessarily afraid of Devontae Freeman in the running game. Of course, I'm afraid of Lamar Jackson in the running game. I was going to say, it's one <laughs> yeah. guy. But but the one guy that I look to, and, and it seems like we're this is like a 17-year battle at this point, is other tight ends feasting against the Browns. So I think that's the huge matchup for our Browns defense versus their offense. Are you able to contain Mark Andrews Anyway, because, you know, the, the, you know, the Browns have had soft coverage, soft zone coverage a lot this year, leaving gaps in the middle of the field and up the seams. So, I mean, that's where Mark Andrews is going to feast, especially over the middle of the field. So you got to be able to contain him because I fear that he's going to have a big game, Henry, and a big game from him could put it over the hump because I pictured this one being close. Um, and, and God help us all if it's not right. Cause I, I, I mean, I would like to say that I see, you know, like the Bengals scenario, the way that the Bengals game played out against the Browns this year happening, but I, I don't see that happening. And if anything, I think it would go in reverse for the Browns, the Ravens dominating the Browns completely and just running out of the running them out of the gym in the first half. Um, no, I think this is going to be a close game. I don't see the Browns, you know, having a dominating win, though it would be very refreshing to get get, get that done, Henry, but. End of the day, like I said, AFC North, it's still up for grabs. And if you're able to get this win, you move to seven and five, coming home to play that team that you just beat, but also having a week to get healthy, Henry. That's the other thing we have to remember is uh, why this game is so important as well. Getting a win going into that bye week would be so much different than taking another disappointing loss into that bye week and having to sulk on it for a week. 
Like if you win this game going to that bye week, okay, playoffs are still in front of us. Let's go ahead. Let's prep for Ravens. We have that extra week of prep. They play the Steelers next week. We get to get healthy, come back and get them at home. Like this game is huge. It is. Uh, you know, I, I want to touch a little bit more on the, the other side of the football, Browns defense versus Ravens offense, because I think the big concern there is you mentioned twofold. Number one, Mark Andrews has had a phenomenal season for the Ravens. And you look at the matchups with the Browns, safeties, linebackers, and you go, uh-oh. The other thing is just Lamar Jackson. Again, this offense doesn't do anything that stellar. Their passing game is pretty average. Marquise Brown missed the game against the Bears last week. We'll see if he's uh, you know available. We don't know that right now. I'm assuming Lamar Jackson is going to play after missing last week with an illness. Of course, you know we we don't know that at this point, but you would have to you know think that he'll be recovered by Sunday. And to me, the other key I would circle is this. I think a large reason the Browns drafted JOK is for a quarterback like this because they have not been able to contain running quarterbacks and in particular Lamar Jackson in previous seasons at all. They have gotten torched by the, I mean, we all remember the, the Monday night game last year where the Ravens scored 47 and that's the formula for this offense. They're not a great passing offense, but they'll hit some explosive plays. Guess what? The Browns have given up some explosive plays, especially to the tight end position. And then they rely on Lamar Jackson to solve things. And he's been able to solve the Browns defense. And the one guy I look at who, you know, is the one that can hang with him as he scrambles outside of the pocket, as he darts down the field is JOK. And so I think the Browns are going to need a huge game from him if they hope to stop this Ravens offense. Yeah, that's a great point. And I mean, going back to the draft, right, a lot of people were saying that like, Hey, that's why you went out and drafted Jeremiah Wusukormo, right? That's why you drafted him kind of be that guy to play contain on Lamar Jackson. Henry, you've talked about it in recent weeks as well. The Browns defensive lines, um, you know, failures on setting the edge. And if you're not able to set the edge against Lamar Jackson, he's going to torture. If you over pursue Lamar Jackson, you let him get outside of the pocket and scramble with an open field in front of him, he's going to burn you. So like you said, that's where JOK comes into play about like being that guy to spy and, and have containment on him. One, because he has the speed to do it. But two, I just think he's, you know, he played in similar situations in college. And Henry, I mean, he's going to be huge. I'm, I'm super interested to see how he plays. Um, he did. He came back for, you know, this past game and didn't have a lot to say. Uh, he didn't he'd think he was on the field much, obviously. Um, coming back from the injury, he came back out in the media and said, like, hey, like, nobody ever told me I was on a snap count. But I guess I was on a snap count. I think he only had, like, 15 snaps last week. So, uh, we'll, we'll see how it all happens. Um, I, I think this is the week where you kind of just have to unleash him, right? I think so, and especially because, you know, the the only challenge you're going to run into, I would say, with the Ravens, too, is if – and I'll be curious, this will be the cat and mouse game a little bit – is if you put JOK on the field, the Ravens' interior line has been pretty stellar in terms of the run blocking so far this year. You know, it's not a, an insanely good offensive line by any means, but – they they run the ball with some physicality pretty well, and we've seen that be a problem for the Browns the last couple of weeks with the D-line. You add in a smaller guy like JOK there, and you wonder, can the Browns hold up in the running game? I still think it's the right move. You have got to play a guy that, that can hang with Lamar Jackson. I just don't think you know Anthony Walker and the other guys out there are going to have the same level of a speed. So, yeah, I think he, they, they got to – you know, uh, I know JOK is coming off the ankle, but they got to hope he's ready to go because, I to me – He's one key for the Browns to have success defensively. And then the other is whoever lines up across uh, Villanueva because he's the one, you know, guy you would point to as being a potential weak link on, on this Ravens offensive line. 
yeah, he's a veteran, but we've seen, you know, the Browns abuse him when he was on the Steelers and yeah, now, he's, he struggled this year at times too. Yeah. He, I mean, he has not looked good this year. Yeah. So, you know, whether it's Clowney or whether it's Garrett or both of them, they have got to own that matchup to get after Lamar Jackson. I know, I mean, it's it, the Ravens offensive line as a whole hasn't been great pass blocking and it kind of doesn't matter because Lamar just figures it out, but you got to hope a guy like Clowney, a guy like Garrett has the athleticism to bring him down a couple times in this game, because I have a lot of concerns about the Browns ability as a whole to stop this Ravens offense, given Lamar, given Mark Andrews and what they've done to teams these last several weeks. Yeah. And I feel like it's as good of a time forever for the Browns defensive line to step up this weekend. Right. I think they've kind of had, you know, they had a good performance against Cincinnati, uh, but you know, Against the Patriots, really poor performance. Mac Jones had all day to throw. I know the Patriots have a pretty good offensive line. But even in a decent uh, defensive performance this past week against the Lions, Henry, they didn't, the Browns didn't have a single sack against the worst team in football. So if there's a time for this defensive line, like, you know, you know, have a come, kind of have that coming to life moment where you're just like, okay, they just completely dominated this game and won the game, kind of like the Cincinnati, kind of like, you know, um, the Bears early in the year, if they're able to have a game like that, I mean, it's going to do huge things in the Browns winning this football game. And I, and I want to see it. I want to see, I need to see Miles step back up. I thought Clowney's been quiet for a couple of weeks in a row now. Malik Jackson has struggled. He, he didn't even uh, practice today. I don't know if he's going to be able to go. Uh, Malik McDowell has still been solid at moments, but it's time for them all to put it together and have that and, and have a huge performance this week. And I actually, I actually think the more important game is the the one after the bye week because that's the one the Browns are at home. You mentioned, of course, winning this game, getting you know seven and five, and then having that game at home would be huge. But that's the one where I think the Browns are going to have the better chance. But I hope and would think that attitude wise, the Browns have nothing. You know, can go all out in this game. They know the buys on deck. They know they've got nothing next week, and they, they know they, Henry. They need to play with hunger. Like, yeah. I mean, it's called for what it is. I, I, I've been, that's, that's been one of the main things I've been disappointed by with this team for the last couple of weeks. You know, they came, they rose to the occasion for the Cincinnati game after the drama with Odell all week. But since then it's just, you know, zero desire against, against the, the new England Patriots, zero desire. The lions were the hungrier team on Sunday and they weren't able to get the win just because of the inferior roster, Henry, but I need to see some of that desire. I need to see guys playing for each other. I need to see this team come out with a sense of urgency because it's just been lacking in the last couple of weeks. It has. And I, and it's, and if, and if you, the other thing too, is like, if you can't get up for this game and what the hell game can you get up for, you know? Yeah. And, 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 the other game I would say that was most disappointing in terms of effort was actually the Steelers game. And that was a divisional game as well. So, you know, these, these are the teams that the Browns have to be, you know, and I know the Bengals are good this year, but the Ravens and the Steelers are, you know, the ones that have stood atop this division for the last two decades. And the Browns in order to get over that hump, they've got to beat these teams and they've had some success with the Steelers over the last couple of years. They haven't with the Ravens. They have even, you know, with Kevin Stefanski last year in general, the Ravens have owned them since Lamar Jackson, you know, has has taken over their quarterback and frankly, even before then. So this is a huge, huge test. Jordan, before we go, how do you see this one, you know, playing out? Ravens favored, I think, by three and a half points right now, you know, assuming Lamar Jackson's going to play and all that. You know, how do you see this big game playing out on Sunday night? Um, it's tough. I'm not ready to give my final prediction yet. I still got to, you know, do some more things in terms of, in terms of watching film and give my exact number, Henry. But like I said, 
I think this is going to be a close game. Um, and really, the sad part about it is, too, I, I think this game is going to come down to, you know, one of those who has the better fourth quarters between the two teams. And the fact of the matter is the Browns have not – it's been a worst quarter of football this entire year has been the fourth quarter, Henry. Um, I mean, they are getting outscored. I saw some ridiculous stat. I'm, I'm shooting from the hip here, but it was something like 60-something or 70-something to like 10 on the year in the in fourth quarters for the Browns. It's, like it's, it's, been, it's been brutal in the fourth quarters. So chance to write that ship this week, Henry. But like I said, I feel like this is going to be a close game. Now, I don't know. I, I think the Browns can win this game, and I think it, you know, it would be pretty fitting for the Browns to come out and just randomly win this game after laying an, an egg but barely getting the win against um, the Lions and kind of everyone ruling you out, like, hey, this isn't a playoff team anymore. Hey, they don't have a quarterback. Like, this is totally a time where the Browns just kind of shock everyone, including their own fans of, like, damn, where has this been all year? Totally has the makings of that. But I think it also has the makings of just continuing to completely go south. And how crippling would it be? There's two, two really crippling ways for this game to end, Henry. And that's one, you just get absolutely run and, and blown out. The game's over in the first half. Two, is like I said, where you maybe have a lead going into the fourth quarter. The Ravens come out with a bigger sense of urgency in the fourth quarter. Baker throws a pick or something along the lines in the fourth quarter that kind of seals the game. Like Those are the two ways that this thing completely snowballs, Henry. And for me, it's just trying to figure out which one is more likely than the other. Um, but at this point, I think I'm probably leaning more towards the Browns losing a close one to the Ravens. And that's exactly what I, I'm going to predict. It is, I think this is going to be a close game. I do think that the additions of Conklin and, and Hunt back are, are going to help the Browns. I think the Ravens missing Marquise Brown, you know, Lamar Jackson coming off the sickness where he hasn't been able to practice. You don't know what kind of you know shape he's going to be in coming into this game could lead to it being close. But like you mentioned, Jordan, you know, if this comes down to the fourth quarter, to me, it's pretty simple. You know, do you trust the quarterback in the team on the Ravens side of the football or do you trust the Browns quarterback in their team right now? And I think all the evidence this season points to the fact that as much as I want to say Baker Mayfield and the Browns, you have to go the other direction. And we've seen that play out in previous years against this Browns team. And I think, you know, ultimately that's what I think is going to play out Sunday is the Browns have not had an answer for Lamar Jackson in key moments. And I'm not sure why, you know, this time it's necessarily going to be different. I'm certainly hoping that it is. I'm not, I'm going to be rooting for the Browns, but you know, you look around the NFL and it's, you know, there's this old saying that you have to have one of the best two quarterbacks in your division in order to make the playoffs and win the Super Bowl. Go look at the standings. The best two quarterbacks are leading every division right now, except arguably the Saints in the Buccaneers division because Jameis is hurt and the other quarterbacks in that division are a mess anyway. Other than that, it's like not really arguable. It's the two best quarterbacks in every division are leading it right now. And when it comes down to it, you know, when Baker Mayfield matches up against Lamar Jackson here, if it's close down the stretch right now, to me, Lamar Jackson is going to have the edge. Now he's had some turnover problems. Maybe, you know, it's him that ultimately is throwing the interception or having the fumble that, that swings this, the Browns play. But if you're asking me to pick, I got to lean to them over the Browns at this point. I, I wish I had more faith, but I just, I, I don't based on what I've seen. Yeah, what we've seen this year is the Browns are an average football team, and average football teams don't go on the road and beat 
you know, division winners and, and division favorites on, on Sunday night football. I mean, that just doesn't happen a lot. <clears throat> like I said, but from staying from a positive note, Henry, I mean, like I said earlier, I mean, the division is still in front of you. That's our path to the playoffs now. I think you can kind of kiss the, the wild card out um, because you lost to the Chiefs, you lost to the Chargers, you lost to the Patriots, and but there's one more law and you lost to the Steelers. I mean, it's going to be tough to get into the wild card. I think the past is the division and the AFC North has kind of been a bloodbath. Don't really know what to make of the Steelers yet. They're such an interesting team. Hard to figure out the Bengals. I think they're a year or two away from really being able to compete from this division. And so like, you got to get the job done now, Henry, you got to, if it like, it's still in front of you, you know, there's two games against the Ravens. We circled them before the year even started saying, look, the division is probably going to come down to those two weeks. You're six and five. You had a disappointing win over the Lions. But the fact of the matter is everything is still in play in terms of what we said about these being the two biggest games of the year. And these two games likely going to decide the division. They are. If you're able to win them both, Henry, you probably make the playoffs. If you lose them both, you probably don't. So, I mean, that's just kind of where we are right now. That's a great point. The path is through the division right now. And I saw this stat uh, that the Browns have the hardest remaining schedule in the league in terms of opponent win percentage. Numbers two, three, and four are the Steelers, Bengals, and Ravens. So basically, whoever comes out of this division is going to earn it. And that's in part because this division is so even right now in, ter- in terms of there's no there's no cakewalks in any of the division games that anybody has left. But also that that every team, you know, down the stretch here is going to play other good teams, whether it be from the AFC North or from the other divisions that they're matched up with. So as you said, despite everything else, it's all in front of the Browns, but they're going to have to earn it. And as is whoever comes out of the AFC North right now, you know, I, I think, as I, as I mentioned, I have the most faith in the Ravens, but if the Browns win this game, all of a sudden you've got a bye week and then you've got the Ravens at home. So, you know, it, it changes that fast in the NFL week to week. We've seen that, you know, everybody is in love with the bills and then they get blown up by the Colts. So it's a week to week league. Absolutely. We'll just have to see how it plays out. But, but right now, uh, I am certainly worried uh, about the Browns, but I will be cheering for them hard on Sunday night, nevertheless. Yeah, exactly. Look, look we're going to be rooting for the Browns until we die, Henry. I, it's been frustrating this year, but just give us something. Just give us something. Just give us, just give us a glimmer of hope. That's all we need, and we can run with it. So let's get the job done on Sunday, Henry. All right, and, and we will be back you know, to react to all of that after the game, uh, you know, on Sunday night against the Ravens, but that's going to be the it for podcast this week, you know, with Thanksgiving, Jordan and I wanted to knock out a longer one here for you guys. And then we're, we're not going to jump on again until after the game. So I hope everybody out there has a happy Thanksgiving, enjoy family, enjoy friends, enjoy the football. You know, if you want to interact with Jordan and I, of course you can find us on Twitter, Jordan, I think you're, you're, J climax underscore 20. Is that right? <laughs> Close. A J underscore climax 20. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm, I miss it. I got to get better <laughs> at plugging the Twitters on the show. I'm Henry underscore Ettinger. So in the meantime, Browns fans, don't talk to us about football tomorrow, but, but on Friday, Saturday, if you want to talk more Browns, you can find us there on Twitter and interact with us there. And until then Browns fans, just two words for you. Go Browns. <laughs>